0: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his
1: way to the end zone. tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play. Off to the races. Touchdown. Oh, he's done it
0: again. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. The Chiefs offense stinks. And Javante Williams is, I think, going to be a first-round pick next year, Chris. In fantasy drafts, what do you think? Um,
1: that was certainly an impressive performance for him. Um, I mean, obviously it depends on what the Broncos' situation looks like, but yes, if he's the clear-cut lead back, he's probably going to be in that first-round discussion.
0: Yeah, he's going to be right there at the end. And I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Would you take him over Justin Jefferson? Probably. Hmm. I think he's kind of a can't miss, but so is Jefferson. I'm very excited about Javante Williams. You know what? Let me tell you. We have a question. One of our big topics today is about backfield splits when the starter gets healthy or, or the 1A, 1B gets healthy. And one of them is the Broncos. Melvin Gordon is having a nice year. You look at the numbers, 4.5 yards per carry. That's always good. Javante's at 4.8. But Melvin Gordon is getting 1.53 yards before contact. 16th best among running backs. 16th most amongst amongst running backs. Javante Williams is at .83 yards before contact. Compared to 1.53 for Gordon. Javante is 43rd. Yards after contact. This is an actually interesting list. Yards after contact per carry. Uh, Number one is Nick Chubb. Number two is Jonathan Taylor. Number three is James Robinson. And then you basically have a three-way tie for fourth place. At uh, Cordaro Patterson, Khalil Herbert, and Javante Williams. That's your top six in yards after contact per carry. So it's Chubb by a lot. Then Taylor, James Robinson being third is very impressive. Uh, Patterson, Khalil Herbert, Javante Williams, very bunched together. So it's frustrating, Chris, because we all want to see Javante Williams get unleashed. This could Mm -hmm. be... This could be the number. I'm not going to call him number one because Taylor's got that. This could be the number two running back. if I mean, he you're, we're just you're, the guy. You're Rest talking about
1: like a Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins from last year. That that's that's the hope. Yep.
0: Um, With more catches than all of them potentially. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um,
1: no. It was it was an incredibly impressive performance. Um, that's about all you can take away from last night's game. As far as things to be optimistic about on either side, but you know, it was good. I, look I, the whole like yards before carry yards, after carry broken tackles, broken tackles per rush. I don't know how much that stuff actually matters or how much that stuff actually illuminates because I don't know, like Javante Williams reminds me a lot of David Montgomery, actually in terms of, uh, playing style, physicality, uh, very similar workout numbers at the combine Um, and very similar, like really, really good at breaking tackles. I think Javante Williams probably has a similar thing. David, David Montgomery in that you're probably not going to see like a 70 yard run from either of them. They just, I don't know if they have that like top end breakaway speed, but they're, you know, obviously Javante Williams has been fully capable of breaking off, you know, medium long, big plays. So, I think he's going to be good as long as he gets the opportunity, yeah.
0: Yeah, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. The Chiefs are more interesting. I We want to wrap up on the Broncos here, and let me give a little teaser of what's coming up on the show. We'll take a look at the latest injury news and some waiver-wire reaction. With that, we're going to talk about what the Cardinals' backfield will look like if Chase Edmonds is back next week. The Packers' backfield, we did that last week, but we'll uh, we'll give it another go. Uh, the Vikings' backfield, if and when Dalvin Cook gets healthy. when You've got a guy who's had 120 or more total yards in all three games that he's replaced him in Alexander Madison and 20 or more carries or i think 22 or more carries in every game. Um the what's the other backfield? The Broncos and the Saints. What would that look like when Alvin Kamara does return to action? We're going to talk about Elijah Moore. Is he still is he a must start going forward in every week? I didn't want to include this one, but I got enough people asking about it and I do see this question common a uh, common question, uh playoff DSTs to stash. So we'll give you some of those. And then we'll talk a little fantasy football ethics as well at the end of the show. But we'll start with Kansas City 22 and Denver 9. There was about a 20-mile-per-hour wind in this game, and perhaps that prevented these quarterbacks from throwing the ball downfield, but it was a very conservative game plan for both teams. Let's Since we stay, started on the Broncos, let's just wrap it up. Cortland Sutton at this point, I mean he's over 80% rostered. Can we just get rid of him?
1: I think so. I mean, th- this was actually sort of promising, and he had six targets, which is Whoa. as much as he had in the previous two combined. Um, yeah. But that was still on what, 41 pass attempts, 40 pass attempts by Teddy Bridgewater. So you're still talking about a, a pretty minimal target share, like 15%. Given the fact that Bridgewater has not been super effective throwing the ball down the field, yeah, I, I think Cortland Sun is droppable. I, I wish he yeah. wasn't. I do think he's very good, but yeah, I. This is, uh, it's concerning when you think about next season if the Broncos can't get a clear upgrade at, at quarterback because it kind of seems like they might just have too many guys and not a good enough offense to take
0: advantage of it. Yeah, I'm trying to do the math now. I did not do this earlier. Uh know it's only one catch for Jerry Judy on the final drive, one catch for 19 yards. So it ended up being a pretty decent game for Jerry Judy. You're not dropping him, he'll be an interesting start decision. On a yeah, I think basis. he's in the wide receiver three discussion. Uh, obviously, Noah Fant is extremely frustrating, and you can't trust him. You can't trust the passing game. That's the bottom line. So, nope. let's nope. do the Noah Chiefs. Noah Fant
1: is... Uh, I think he was outside my top 12 in week 13. He probably will be moving forward. So, who are the must-start Chiefs? Patrick Mahomes. Is he? Harry Kill. Are they, Travis are, Kelsey. Is
0: he? Are they, yeah. Kelsey's who a are no gonna Kelsey's start, a Who are you
1: going to start instead of Patrick Mahomes? Like We we talked about this on on the FFT video show earlier today. Um... With Lamar Jackson, one of Heath's, believe it or not, was you should sit Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's no one. But like, which quarterbacks would you actually start over Patrick Mahomes, who you might reasonably have on your roster? Like, okay, if you have Tom Brady on your roster, you can sit Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. If you have Kyler Murray, go ahead and sit Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen, probably sit Patrick Mahomes. After yeah. that? like just, well, Maybe Justin Herbert? I'll give you Maybe a, okay. Matthew Stafford?
0: I, I think that's the questions that I could see people asking that I think are reasonable at this point. Now, keep in mind, Mahomes is facing the Raiders this upcoming week. And mm-hmm. the last time he faced the Raiders was just a few weeks ago, and he threw for 406 yards and five touchdowns. He scored 46 fantasy points in that game. I haven't done the math, but he's probably, in the other five games, they've been slumping for six games offensively. Mm-hmm. He's probably close to forty-six fantasy points in the other five games combined.
1: It's yeah, he's at six point four yards per attempt combined over his last six games, which is really really bad. That now obviously that is in keeping with the larger trends that we've talked about a little bit uh, over the last couple of weeks. League-wide pass uh, yards per pass attempt is six point eight or now six point nine coming into week thirteen, and it was six point eight in week thirteen. That's really bad. Um, but that also plays into the.
0: Like maybe who does Kirk Cousins get this? week?
1: He's got the Steelers, Steelers on Thursday. Thursday. He might
0: not have Adam Thielen. I don't right, know, he was going to be start. one of the names. He and Taysom Hill were going to be two. I think that are pretty interesting.
1: Taysom Hill's got a got a got a mallet finger and, and plantar fasciitis. I don't know. And he was dreadful.
0: Yeah, last week. But he rushed for 100 like he, yards and he's facing the yeah, Jets. it was a Jets. good
1: fantasy game, but th- th- like that's a question. Is can you be that bad and be good for fantasy? If he rushes for 100 yards per game, yeah. If it's 50 um, like t- Taylor Heineke has Dallas this week. He's probably one of the better streaming quarterbacks most weeks, but I don't think I would want to start Taylor Heineke over Patrick Mahomes. I'm not, I don't, I don't think I would start Joe Burrow over him. Joe Burrow hasn't been any good lately either. Uh, so Mahomes
0: 46, oh, points. 46 points at Las Vegas and in those other five games in this six game stretch. About 56 points. <laughs> yeah. No, he's it's been amazing.
1: bad. But Derek Carr's been bad. Would you start Derek Carr? No, absolutely not. Would you start... Burrow's got Jimmy this Garoppolo? dislocated
0: pinky, too. No, I wouldn't start Garoppolo. No, I mean, I think Mahomes is going to be a top five quarterback. Yeah. In the Tua rankings. was on a bye. Jalen Hurts slash Gardner Minshew are on a bye. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. No, it, it's it's just not good. Like, that. that's...
0: Do you think he'll snap he out would, of it, though? What's that? You think he'll snap out of it? I have to believe that. It's a what different else, offense. What other choice do I have? Well, it's a different wait, wait, offense three now. Three years they... of,
1: of a historic, historically good offense and six weeks of a really bad one.
0: Yeah, it's like, just he has things has have many changed. good games as bad games this season. I think he'll snap out of it too, but I. But it's not based on anything we've seen. Now there are. No, there I can't been, tell
1: you he's going to tomorrow or, or
0: in six days. There have been like, a I lot of drops, though. You know, the, the receivers are not helping him. But it's really just a matter of it's simple. We say it every week. They don't throw the ball downfield as much. Tyreek Hill has twenty a twenty yard catch he isn't even asking that much for a wide receiver. Um, he does not have a twenty yard catch in six of his last eight games. It's only two of his last eight games where he has a twenty yard catch. They're just they're just running the RPOs and little slants and thinking and dunking their way down the field. And you know what? They're winning. They won five mm-hmm. games in a row behind their defense. So how about the running game? How about Clyde? How much faith do you have in him? It seems like you just look at his game logs. 15, 16 touches. That might be what mm-hmm. we're expecting at this point.
1: Yeah, I think he's a low-end RB, two. He's splitting work. He he got about half the snaps yesterday, 51%. I think Daryl Williams was like 47% or something. I think that's going to be the case moving forward. And you're kind of just hoping for either a big play, which he doesn't really do all that much of or a touchdown. I, I think he can be, you know, 70 yards, 70 yards on the ground, maybe 25 yards in the air. And if he, you know, does that, that's gonna be a pretty good game. If he scores a touchdown, it's gonna be a really good game. But I think he's in the Miles Gaskin, Miles Sanders, if he's healthy, although both those guys are on by this week. Um he's any below other, Josh Jacobs at this point. Any other
0: Miles? Yeah, he's yeah, below Jacobs. To... Jacobs so involved in the passing game.
1: And Kenyon Drake out for the season. That, that'll only only help. Um, I think he's probably still below James Robinson, although Robinson's been at 52% of the snaps or lower in two straight games.
0: How about Barkley?
1: Oh, Saquon Barkley. <laughs> I, I think I would rather have Saquon, but mostly just because of the passing game involvement. He has uh, 22 targets. Twenty targets over the last three games. So, as long as that's happening, the he's going to average more than three yards per catch
0: at some point, right? Yeah, I think so. I would expect that. All right. So, look, it's frustrating for the Chiefs, but very difficult to get away from Mahomes or Tyreek Hill, and nobody's ever going to sit Kelsey. That'd be
1: that'd be ludicrous. Yeah, he's still the number one tight end, right?
0: Uh, I think so. He's been pretty good, you know, for the most part. Yeah. Even in this bad stretch, he is. He and Ty I mean, Tyreek Hill still have three the number big one games. by
1: more than a point per game in PPR. Oh no, George Kittle's within a point now. Ah, okay. Yeah, George Kittle had the 16th best fantasy game by a tight end since 1970 like <laughs> yesterday. That guy was incredible, man. One of the few tight ends ever to have 35 plus points in multiple games in their career. Ooh, Travis Kelsey has never done that. Who's the other? Uh, it's Kellen Winslow, the first, uh-huh. and Shannon Sharp. Oh, you said three are the only games. two to have multiple games with thirty-five plus PPR points.
0: And these are the kind of things that you well, you probably won't see. The, you might see these nuggets in the newsletter. What's in the newsletter this week, Chris?
1: Oh, same thing as every week. You'll get rankings tomorrow. Waiver wire. You'll get some, probably not some trade stuff, but maybe some. I, last week I, I wrote about the the toughest players to rank. I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, exercise to go through. You'll get start sit calls. You'll get Game previews get get everything you need. News, injuries. Yeah. And we've got I mean, six You won't get injuries. Six... Di- <laughs> unless you click wrong or if you're holding your phone like weird, you know, maybe. Right, you drop it on your foot. Yeah. It is pretty it's pretty long uh pretty long read.
0: Uh, we got six different newsletters if you go, if you go to cbssports.com/newsletters, we have the HQ Pick six fantasy football today, fantasy baseball today, sports line, and first cut newsletters. Go to CBSSports.com/newsletters. Get them straight to your inbox. News and notes, and we'll talk about it, waiver wire uh, in the process here. So, Thielen's got a high ankle sprain. We'd be shocked if he played on Thursday. I, I'll editorialize there. You can disagree if you would yeah. like. <laughs> no, I, I'm not expecting him to play at all. You got Joe Burrow with a dislocated pinky. He expects to play against the Niners. Andy Dalton with a hand injury, and we'll see if Justin Fields can get back out there. It's a pain tolerance issue for Fields at this point. They are at Green Bay. You got two injuries to key defensive players for the Chargers. Seems like Joey Bosa is okay. He did not go back in the game, maybe because of the score, but they were blowing out the Bengals. But uh, I guess at this point, I'm expecting him. He did not have a concussion to play against Giants. Uh, But Justin Jones... Their run defense has been so much better when Justin Jones' defensive tackle has been in the lineup. He left in the third quarter, so we will see if he is out next week, and that is potentially a boost for Saquon Barkley, who faces the Chargers. Uh, Logan Thomas, is it officially? Yes. we
1: just got news. He did not tear his ACL. Oh, okay. Ian Rappaport literally seconds ago just tweeted, uh, MRI came back better than expected. They do not indicate he tore his ACL. There is damage, but perhaps he'll play again this season.
0: All right, that's Logan Thomas we're talking about here. So, big news for the guy with the best matchups on the board. Yeah. At tight end. Would still be surprised if he was back anytime soon. Um, But if he is, yeah, he's got the, the Eagles and Cowboys in his next four games. Kenny Galladay left in the second quarter. We don't know yet on him. He's got the ribs. We don't know who the Giants quarterback will be with Mike Lennon with the concussion. Kareem Hunt is going to play this week against Baltimore. Uh, Taylor getting an MRI on his wrist. We'll see how the Eagles look after their bye. Miles Sanders left with the ankle injury. Jason Kelsey, their center left. Chris already mentioned Kenyon Drake out for the season with a broken ankle. Some defensive injuries I'll be looking at. Uh, Jamal Adams for the Seahawks. Emmanuel Mosley for the 49ers. They're at Cincinnati. Uh, Chidobe Awuzie for the Bengals. That's a pretty big one. And uh, they have San Francisco this week. He's a starting cornerback for them. They also lost linebacker Logan Woodside, so it was a great... It was a terrible game for the uh, Bengals, and they lost two defensive starters to injury. Don't know how long. And Tampa Bay cornerback Jamel Dean left with a concussion. These, man, they dropped like flies in that secondary. And Baltimore, too. The Raiders, you know, uh, Denzel Perryman is... I think the second leading tackler tackler in the NFL, he left late in the game. He already had I think 11 tackles or something. He's been a machine. IDP star Denzel Perryman, he left uh with an injury. Baltimore cornerback Marlon Humphrey is likely out for the season. Also, Baltimore lost its right tackle who's been he's missed a lot of the year, but he left with a hand injury, Patrick McCarry. Their d- offensive line's really struggling. And we can stop there. Those are some of the things we'll be looking at that but are not skill position players. Sorry. Yes. Uh, Julio Jones has been designated ah. to return from IR. And one so, other thing, Chris, one other thing. Yes. The Panthers fired coordinator Joe Brady. Yes, they did. Apparently that does not weird. run the ball enough. So they want to run the ball a lot. Good news for Chuba
1: Hubbard, I guess. I don't think it's great news for the offense. Although, I mean, with Cam Newton, it, it I could see it, you know, th- that being effective.
0: Yeah. Well, they got Atlanta this week and then the schedule of death for Chuba Hubbard. But yes. let's bring in Mr. Royal, wearing his KC Royal <laughs> shirt, Jacob Gibbs. What's up, Jacob? Welcome. Hey, man.
2: Uh, they, my neighbors just put their dogs out, so perfect timing. Like, literally right as you're like, let's welcome good, in Jacob good, Gibbs. Good. I had barking outside. <laughs> Looking forward to well, that. Please... I've got a leaf blower guy going on outside. <laughs> All right, can you guys so, ask so also them?
0: Good ask them to stop? Tell we're doing fantasy right. football today. They'll know. Oh, right. Everybody's.
2: We've got important stuff going on over here. They need
0: to respect <laughs> that. <laughs> All right. Our first topic, we usually do five big topics, but we only have four today because the first one has so many moving pieces, so many different teams involved. What uh, What do we expect with some of the uh, returning starting running backs in comparison to their backups? So we're looking at Aaron Jones, Chase Edmonds, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, and Melvin Gordon. What's the easiest one to knock out here with between Green Bay, Arizona, Minnesota, New Orleans, and Denver? I'm going to say Minnesota. Yeah. There's
1: just been, as good as Alexander Madison clearly is, and as well as he's done in filling in for Dalvin Cook, they have just shown no interest over, what, three years now in getting Alexander Madison involved when Dalvin Cook is... like he He'll get seven carries in a good week, maybe 11 if they're really blowing them out, but... For the most part, when Dalvin Cook is active, he's going to get his 20 touches, and it really, really doesn't matter. Maybe this will be different, maybe because he's had so many shoulder issues, but they have shown zero inclination whatsoever to lighten his load.
0: Okay, then. That's it. Minnesota, we expect Dalvin Cook to be the V-guy coming back. Uh, Personally, I wouldn't mind him. Take a, take a little time to come back. Jacob, what's, yeah, I, what's I don't have Dalvin
1: in any leagues, and I've got Madison in a couple, so, so selfishly.
0: I have Dalvin in three leagues, and I have, have Madison, Madison in four leagues, including all three. And quite frankly, I would just rather it be Madison because I, I do think that there's a <laughs> slight chance that Cook has just a little bit fewer carries now with all the injuries, and he's going to be playing with two bad shoulders. I don't even want to see the experiment. I'm perfectly fine with it being Madison. He's he's been great, you know? He's been just a superstar. All right, Jacob, give me the next backfield you want to talk about.
2: Um, Yeah, I agree that Dalvin is the one who's like least likely to be affected or the most likely to retain the role that we saw um, before the injury. I think my... Next most likely to retain his role would actually be Chase Edmonds um, of the group that you gave. I think we can expect him to assume the passing down role for sure when he gets back in at least like a third of the early down work with the potential for more. Um, so, And I think just given his fantasy playoff matchups, he's probably going to project as like a top 20, top 24 guy uh, down the stretch. He gets Detroit. And then Indy is not a great matchup, um, and Dallas isn't like a spectacular matchup either, but it's at Dallas, and both those games should be competitive and ones that like kind of favor, you know, his role, the passing down role a little bit more. Um, so I don't know. Why, are you guys expecting him to kind of retain the role that he had when we saw him last?
1: Yes, I think, I think so. so. Like James Connor's actually been pretty good pa- catching the ball, um, mm-hmm. but he just hasn't been nearly as involved. Uh, but I don't know. I, I don't think James Connor's been so good that you should be worried about Chase Edmonds not getting his role back. I do think it'll go back to being a split and Edmonds. I want to say he has the more valuable role of the two, except that Chase James Connor just does score a touchdown literally every week. Um, yeah, he does all not have but the more valuable. two of his last ten games. All but one of his last ten games, he has a touchdown. Um, he's doing real John, Jonathan Taylor impersonation there, and um, but yeah, absent touchdowns, Edmonds' pass catching role should be more valuable in this offense. You know, eight to ten carries
0: and mm. and five targets should be enough to make him a top twenty-four running. I wonder about the carries now. I I don't know that he gets the running roll back, the rushing roll back. And as far as the catches go, if there are two games this year where he has more than four catches, Chase Edmonds, he played eight games. Mm -hmm. And in those two games, Kyler Murray completed 29 and 28 passes. He has not come close to that in any other game this year. Last week, he completed 11 passes. It's going to be more like 22-ish per week. So I'm thinking three, four catches per week for Chase Edmonds. And I personally think, to me, he has gone from a must-start in a PPR league, or I, I wouldn't call him must-start, but you probably are starting him if you have a flex, a full PPR, to a guy that I just I don't really have that much confidence in, to be quite honest. I think he's going to have very little chance at scoring a rushing touchdown. Very little. So he's going to have to catch a touchdown, which could happen. Um, but I don't know. I'm thinking three, four catches. Yeah, maybe seven, eight carries. He's not going to win you a league. I I don't know. When you're looking at your your fantasy playoff teams, probably have a better RB, two than Chase Edmonds. I'm not thrilled about it. I, I, I wonder how you feel about it, Chris, because you've always been so high on him. And then at the mm-hmm. same time, we have to acknowledge that this is potentially really bad for James Conner, who is going to become much more touchdown dependent. Yeah, And we'll probably lose some carries. because You know, Benjamin was really not getting in the mix. So, and
1: the yeah. fact that Kyler was running yesterday, I think yeah. may not be a great thing for James Conner because this season, so many many of their rushing touchdowns have gone to James Conner in a way that while uh, Kenyon Drake did have a lot of rushing touchdowns last season, uh, Kyler ended up with, what, 10? Yeah, 11. He's got five now in nine games. So Kyler's been running a little bit less. If Kyler coming back from that injury you know, ran 10 times, rushed for a season high 51 yards. That might have been double his previous season high. He really has not run very much this season. If that's going to be the case, um, you know, then James Conner is going to have more competition for touchdowns while being probably a 12 to 15 carry one to two target guy if things go back to the way they were. So, yeah, I think Conner and Edmonds are probably both going to be RB two range type of guys.
0: Yeah, they, that's what they were in the first eight games of the year in their respective formats though. I mean, I, I feel like how could this possibly be right? But I checked, I double checked James Connor in the first eight games, despite scoring eight touchdowns, he was not a top 20 running back in either format. And he was actually 31st in PPR Edmonds was, uh, he only had one touchdown on eight games. So this does make sense. He was RB 27 per game in PPR. Well,
1: Connor was averaging 48.1 yards per game, 49.1 yards per game. That's how it happened. He just wasn't good. He was averaging three yards per carry. He was getting 11.8 carries per game. He had no role in the passing game. So, yeah, yeah, I think that if that if things go back to being that way, if he goes back to being around 12 carries per game, it's going to be really, really hard for him to be. I think he'll be like Damien Harris. I think that might be the perfect comp. maybe more likely to score a touchdown. But. In terms of usage, it'll be very similar.
0: All right, Jacob, give me the next group you want to talk about here. We got Green Bay, the Saints. We talked a lot about Green Bay last week, but that's okay. Green Bay, the Saints, and the Broncos.
2: Uh, I think the Broncos is the most exciting. Um, I think it was two or three weeks ago I brought up that um, Javante was really involved on passing downs at North Carolina as well, even though he was sharing the backfield with Michael Carter. Um, He was clearly the preference, especially on pass blocking downs. And I think we've kind of seen a continuation of that at the NFL level. And especially this past week, he looked really comfortable on those downs, um, led the team in targets. And I think um, it's just possible that he's going to you know, take more of that role from Melvin Gordon. And I think it makes sense that he should. He's been way more efficient as a pass catcher than Gordon has been this year. Um, Williams has been 42% more likely to draw a target than Melvin Gordon on a per route basis. Um, and his yard per route route rate is 65% higher than Gordon's. Um, but before this week's game, Gordon had played 55% of the third down passing plays and 65% of the two-minute offensive snaps. Um, and so I think we could see those that role go to Javante Moore, um, given how companies look. I think maybe what we see going forward is similar to Detroit. That was the best comparison I could come up with, um, where Gordon plays kind of a complementary role like we've seen from Jamal Williams when both Swift and Williams are healthy. Um, I don't think Javante is going to draw targets at the rate that, you know, Swift has, but I think we could see him play like a mix in role on early downs and then most of the passing downs and then, you know, handle 50 to 60% of the red zone work as well. And that would make Javante a really, really valuable fantasy player and would leave Gordon as a fringe player, depending on the matchup, you know, if he's only playing 30, 40% of the snaps.
0: Do you think this is going to happen or is this just what you're hoping?
2: I think it's definitely possible. I think given how you know comfortable he has looked on the passing downs all year and we've seen them slowly moving where he is getting more passing downs. I track this stuff every week and they've slowly been moving towards Williams a little bit more each week. I think over the past three or four games, Williams has played about 60 or 65 percent of the snaps on the passing downs. We talked about Gordon playing that amount um, earlier. And so I think it's it's entirely possible that we just see that continue to happen, especially after such a good showing this week.
1: Yeah, the, the key there is weeks 11 and 12, it looks like um, Javante Williams played eight third-down snaps. They had 11 third-down snaps between the two games. Mm-hmm. That feels low. It does feel low, man. Um, maybe I maybe I filtered it wrong. I don't know. I'll have to check.
2: I'll, <laughs> I'll get do back your to thing. you. I,
1: I can oh. do it real quick. <laughs> It was weeks 10 and 12. That was why they had a buy in week 11. So between weeks 10 and 12, which was two games for them, Javante played 15 of 23 third down snaps. Melvin Gordon played eight. So that change may already have started. Um, Cause we did see Javante play 57 and 58% of the snaps in weeks 10 and 12.
0: Oh man. All right. Let's hope, let's hope we get that. Uh, and, but I, I don't think it's going to be cam
1: Akers last season where he was just playing every single snap and and getting every touch. I do no matter what happens, I do think like a DeAndre Swift type th- situation is more likely than uh Cam Akers or Jonathan Taylor or whatever you know, comparison you want to make.
0: All right, so let's At least say, Gordon's let's say Chase Edmonds is back next week and Melvin Gordon is back next week. Who's your favorite running back from those two backfields?
2: I, I think Edmonds. Oh, favorite favorite from the two backfields, like yes. out of the four? Yeah. yeah. I think I think Javante without
1: I think it would be Javante, yeah. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Man, I I think I'd go Connor just because I really I'm gonna play the touchdown game. I know it's risky, but he scores all got the, the Rams. time. Yeah, I was gonna say. Oh, I I meant, I, meant week, of, so. I meant rest of meant yeah. rest of season. I meant rest of season. Sorry. Oh, okay. Well, he
1: did score twice against the Rams earlier in the season. He had a whopping 50 yards on 18 carries. Because next week Denver's got win. the Jets.
0: I mean, even if Gordon's back.
1: Yeah, Javante.
0: No, no, I no, 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 no. That's that can't be right. That's not the right schedule. That's not. He's the right got schedule. the Lions, They're Bengals, Lions.
2: Raiders, and then Chargers in the fantasy championship game.
0: Yeah, I I'm sorry. The Saints have Pretty the awesome. Jets next week, and we're going to talk about them right now. But yes, okay. So either way, if you're facing the Lions or the or the uh, Jets, you're a start next week. Um, all right. So let's go to the Saints. Do you guys think that Alvin Kamara is going to be a true alpha dog uh, when he's back? Hopefully next week. Hopefully this week. I don't know about um, alpha dog.
2: We we've talked about him. I think, <laughs> I think an al- there's an alpha ago. dog
0: across the street. I think from you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, barking, I don't know. We we did barking. see Ty Montgomery targeted a high rate in the first game with Taysom, which I thought was encouraging. Um, because a lot of a lot of times when I brought up Kamara's splits with Taysom last year, people have pushed back with well, Michael Thomas was out, and I think that's valid. And we saw like our kind of first taste of like what it might look like with out Michael Thomas, but Taysom's still under center. And we did see Ty Montgomery target at a really high rate. And he did Ty Montgomery played 94% of his snaps in the backfield. Um so most of his targets were coming from the role that Kamara might be playing. So that's one thing that's encouraging at least for Kamara. There's still a lot of other obstacles to overcome.
1: Yeah, that's so he had a 17% target rate uh, or target share in that game, uh Ty Montgomery did, which is actually right around where Alvin Kamara was with Taysom Hill. He had a uh I think it was like 16.5%, which is very good for a running back unless you're talking about an offense that's probably going to only pass the ball 25 times. That's I think where the issue comes in one Camara's target rate or target share dropped from about 21% to about 16 and a half percent last season when Hill was in and two Hill just didn't throw the ball very much. So this is a Saints team that already isn't throwing the ball very much. They did throw the ball 41 times last week. So if Taysom Hill is so bad that they have to have that they have to play from behind like that. Maybe they'll throw more, but my expectations are that this is probably going to be like twenty-six pass attempts per game, and so even then, if you're talking about a, you know, seventeen percent target share, which for most running backs would be very good, I think it would be like the fourth or fifth highest among running backs. Uh, you'd still be talking about what four and a half, five targets per game on average. Which is good, but probably not enough to make him an
0: elite fantasy. Why? Well, back. what if he's getting 16 carries per game? You know, what if we're talking about a twenty touch running back?
1: Yeah, it, but it's a twenty touch running back in a pretty bad offense with a less than ideal distribution of those touches. I, I you know, I think it would be like he's not gonna get a hundred percent of the goal line work with uh Mark Ingram there, I wouldn't think.
0: Well, he's going to have more like with Taysom Hill. There is my concern. (laughs) Right, right, right. But he's but I I meant among running backs,
1: he's going to split running back work in the goal line, and Taysom Hill is going to have a significant role near the goal line. So I just I think it's a lot of things where it, you know the 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 concept of high value touches and, and all that. Like Alvin Kamara used to be an elite high value touch guy. His he had few relatively few touches, but an incredibly high share of high value touches because he was in a great offense and he got a lot of targets. Now I think he's sort of in that as Ben Gretz used to refer to it, the trap back role where it's a lot of touches between the twenties and not a lot of targets. So, all right, I do, I do worry. Like, I think he's still going to be a top 12 running back, but probably not top five.
0: Well, he has been top five per game going forward. And, uh, that's with a, 16-game pace of 64 catches, 292 yep. carries, and only 3.63 yards per carry, but he's still been a top-five running back. All right, uh, last one is Green Bay. So I'm assuming of all the guys who've talked, forget Minnesota, but looking at Arizona, New Orleans, and Denver, I'm assuming that we have Kamara, the highest of any running back, right? Assuming everyone's back next week?
1: Uh, not including Diamond Cook, yeah. That would be the case for me.
0: Oh, you're muted. Jacob, you're on mute. Get your ass back here. Those All damn right. dogs. Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> I I would have Dalvin higher than yeah, um, any of those guys. Not Minnesota. Jones not, is not
0: Minnesota. Yeah.
2: So then let's, I do have Jones right behind Camaro. I think it's closer than you might think.
0: That's no, that's what I was going to ask. Where's green Bay compared to the rest of these backfields you know who's if camara is the best backfield for eliminating minnesota's we think we know what they are if Kamara is mm-hmm. the best of those three backfields now we throw the packers in there who's the second best running back in this group you say it's aaron jones jacob and then is dylan third um hmm
2: yeah i think that yeah i think that makes sense yeah
0: okay and why you so you want to make your case for aaron jones i didn't mean to cut you off
2: no, you're good. I mean, we talked about it at length last week. I do think he's going to um, step into most of the role that we saw before with the potential for Jones to take some goal line work or for uh, Dylan to take some goal line work. Um, but I think he's got a, a decent schedule and should be playing pretty close to the role that we saw. Um, and he's healthy enough that they brought him back before the buy, which I thought was really bizarre, but they seem to be mm-hmm. pretty comfortable with him. So I would expect him to, uh, to have a pretty substantial role going forward. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's mostly the case. I, I could see Javante being better than him rest of season if they really do turn things over to Javante more than Melvin Gordon because I could envision a scenario where Javante Williams is actually playing more snaps than Aaron Jones. Um, But my expectation would be that Jones would be the the second best out of that group after Alvin Kamara. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, look, what we really don't want to see is a bunch of backfields that don't give us reliable fantasy options. So let's keep our fingers crossed that that does not happen. But it obviously could. They could go the way of the Patriots, and hopefully that won't be the case. All right, we're going to take a break here. We still have to talk about Elijah Moore, playoff DSTs, and an ethics question to end the show. We'll be right back with, parentheses, Elijah Moore. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. I can
2: spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa
0: Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, back. If you forgot my funny joke, it was about Elijah Moore. All right. Matt Santos wants to know, is Elijah Moore a must-start every week, rest of season, and in the playoffs? And his schedule is the Saints, the Dolphins, the Jaguars, and the Bucks in his next four games. You've, you've seen better schedules, but yeah, you've seen worse too. Uh, he did just face the Eagles, who have been amazing against wide receivers, and he had 77 yards and a touchdown on 12 targets. So... Chris, do you think Elijah Moore is a must-start? He was started in 59% of leagues in Week 13. So he has a target
1: share over 30% in three straight games. Um, Corey Davis' groin injury, he suffered a setback with that this week, so I would guess he's going to miss some time moving forward. There's not a lot of competition for targets. Zach Wilson has looked okay the last couple of weeks. Um, And also, I mean, how many good wide receivers are there for fantasy right now? Like wide receivers that you really feel good about. I, I got bailed out last uh, yesterday late in that game when Odell Beckham scored a touchdown because I had him as a top 16 wide receiver in my rankings. But that was as much about my lack of faith in the other wide receivers as it was thinking that Odell Beckham was going to actually play a bigger role than he did. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not a great position right now. We we the the passing game issues that we've seen around the league have really hurt the wide receiver position. So. I think Elijah Moore, he's going to be a top 24 wide receiver for me this week, I would expect, and it's entirely possible he's top 20, maybe top 16. So
0: I guess that means yeah. he's a, that's a yes. I think so. All right, Jacob, what do you think? Is Elijah Moore a must start? I think
2: so. There's probably going to be a week or two where the Jets offense just completely implodes um, <laughs> and he doesn't get there for you. And that's frustrating. But um, and you definitely don't want that to happen the playoffs, but. Um, just from a volume perspective, I think you've got to have them out there. You gave that schedule. They've, in addition to being, uh, several, um, pass funnel defenses that really, you know, force you to beat them with through the air. They also face a lot of teams that they're probably going to be playing from behind against. And so I think Mm -hmm. we're going to see 40 plus drawbacks, as long as the offense is able to even, you know, get that many plays off each week. And the percentages of the targets and air yards that Moore is getting right now are just ridiculous. And if, if we see much passing volume from new york every week even if it's not efficient i think just through volume we're going to see him get there like we've seen lately i mean he had 200 air yards this week he had the highest air yarded share of any player in the nfl in week 13.
1: yeah um, average and, depth of target was 16 i believe
2: against the targets that's huge through, the eagles don't let anyone pass deep on them they have the lowest opponent average depth of target in the nfl and elijah moore's just like i don't care i'm really really good and i don't know i think it's really really exciting i think he is a must start every
0: week i'm watching this you you know one out that he's uh, right now that he ran not against Slay and he completely destroyed this defensive back and Zach Wilson made a bad pass. And then later on, he beat Slay deep at a step or two. And I wouldn't say two, he had a step, and Wilson underthrew it. So you are gonna have to deal with that. It, you know, it's kind of like uh Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts. There are gonna be some off target passes. But I'm so I, impressed I, with more. One
1: thing I do really like as well, and this is a small thing, but He's got a rush attempt in three straight games now. And obviously one rush attempt per game, that's not going to make a big impact. Maybe you get 12 yards on it, but I, I could also envision a scenario where he has a rush attempt to picks up 28 yards. And you'll see this a lot when you have a, a a successful situation like that teams will start to go back to it. And so that's just kind of hidden value that doesn't come up that, you know, not a lot of wide receivers have and, you know if he's going to if he averages a, a carry per game too, that's just another way for him to get points and you know possibly a, a way to get touchdowns. We've seen that with Robert Woods over the last couple of seasons where he'll he'll steal a couple touchdowns close to the end zone that way so it's it's mostly just a sign that they recognize
0: what they have and they really want to get him involved yeah, yeah. I, I've seen now in the last couple of weeks he and I, I mean I've seen it I've been watching I'm watching it right now. He's gotten open on Byron Jones, on Xavier Howard, on Darius Slay. I'm not nervous about Marshawn Lattimore. It's not like Lattimore's going to be on him every single play, I, I don't think, anyway. I I don't want to Kadarius Tony this, but I'm really excited about Elijah Moore. And he's so much different than Tony. I mean, Tony's this freak. He's shifty. He makes these incredible moves i never seen. Moore is a much more polished receiver. I think we are seeing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's showing up in the production. So I'm going to have a hard and time sitting here. him. Game. No, yeah, he's been really he, good. He had through. more than one good game, I would say. <laughs> uh, he had a, about a game and a half. But he also had three catches for 39 yards on one drive against the Rams. Yes. He was on fire, and it was against the Rams. Right. But the hurt. point
1: is like Elijah Moore has had six or more targets now in seven straight games. He's had four really good, uh, five really good fantasy games in a row now. Um, and really, he, the past,
2: he's had the past six, he's, six, he's
1: six games in a row where he's games. had at least
2: 12. <laughs> He's tied At least 12 yard
1: points in six in a row now.
2: He's I didn't even realize this over the past month he's tied with Stefan Diggs for the highest target per route run rate in the NFL, over 30%. And wow. Justin Jefferson's the only one who has a higher air yardage share over the past month. And like that's he good. just yeah. saw his <laughs> role expanded in terms of how much he's playing last week, two weeks ago. Like mm-hmm. before that, he was only playing like 70% of the snaps. And still he has the <laughs> highest target power running second highest air yard share. Like that's just nuts.
0: All right guys, let's go to the playoff DSTs to stash now. Playoff DSTs to stash. I looked at DSTs that were rostered in 75% of leagues or fewer, okay? So not the must-own DSTs or must-roster DSTs. I'm giving you guys I'm giving you matchups week 15. If you just want to play it week by week, maybe you don't need anything in week 14, you know, you got to buy or something like that. Or or you're you've locked up a spot. Um, or teams that have multiple good matchups. So, you know, I would just say, honestly, the Chiefs DST is playing so well that their defense is really good now. They're 50% rostered. They're at the Chargers in week f- uh, Yeah, 15. I have to get used to that. Chargers, Steelers, Bengals. It's not a great schedule, but the Chiefs are, are very good right now. Uh, I Sorry, got a lot what's here.
1: What's the 49ers roster rate? Uh,
0: over 75%. Um, their Their schedule is... Yeah, They've keep got the, them. The
1: Bengals who are or who are struggling. They've got the Falcons, the Titans, and the Texans between now and Week
0: 17. That is pretty awesome. Cleveland has the Raiders, Packers, and Steelers. So that's two, you know, solid matchups in three games. The Bears have Seattle and the Giants in Week 16 and 17. Minnesota is not a great matchup in Week 15, but if you Look, a lot, of team, a lot of people do kind of load up on DST or at least roster two because they're obsessed with DST matchups. I think it's a mistake because, you know, you're not competing with a lot of teams on the waiver wire at that point. You can get a DST. It's not mm-hmm. difficult. But if you want to do this, the Bears have a great finish to their schedule. I like the Seahawks. They've got the Bears and the Lions in uh, weeks 16 and 17
1: and... I assume the Broncos are too highly rostered? No, actually, they are not. They've got a they've got a great one. Starting in week 14, they've got the Lions, the Bengals, and the Raiders in the next three games. Chargers in week 17 is, is tougher. Not not necessarily going to be there for the championship game, but you could start them against all three of the next three games,
0: I think. Yeah, you could start the Broncos, sure. You could start the Raiders. Ugh, I'm not going to start the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't really know what to tell you. How about this? The Chargers... You're not going to start them against the Chiefs, most likely, although the Chiefs are the worst offense in the world. That's week 15. But week 16 for the Chargers is Houston, and week 17 is Denver. So I don't have a great answer for you on this. I don't... I'm not going to just manufacture what I think is a great answer. I don't think there is one. But I do think the Chiefs are playing really well. They're 50% rostered. And the Steelers are one of their matchups. The Bengals, the Chargers can be... The Chargers give up a lot of sacks, so... Yeah, Chiefs, uh, Bears... Seahawks Broncos Chargers whatever I'm kind of Chargers
1: if they're available that that would be a good one because at least three of the next four games you're going to want to use them they've got the Giants Chiefs Texans and Broncos right yeah I wasn't even
0: looking at week 14 but yeah Chargers are a good good option
2: either either way you're probably not picking up one and holding it through all three matchups right you're likely picking up the Broncos or the Chiefs or someone like that for the next couple weeks
0: I don't know what these people are doing Jacob I don't know, they're hoarding DSTs. What can I tell
1: you? I will say, at this point in the season, I am more (laughs) likely to keep a second defense on my roster than I would be in Week 2. Just because at this point in the season, I'm not taking as many of those lottery ticket flyers. I'm not looking for, you know, the, hey, what if this guy breaks out? Like, you're, you're kind of trying to make sure your starting lineup is as solid as possible rather than having as many potential starters, which is the way I view it early in the season. So, I am more likely to drop... Someone like Cortland Sutton this week. If I, I don't know, like if I have a good defense who's got a bad matchup in week 14, but they've got a good one in week 15, and I want to hang on to them. Like I'm more likely to do that now than I would have been 10 weeks ago.
0: All right. The last one comes from BK. Is it okay to punt a game to eliminate a particular opponent from the playoffs?
2: So, like, you're purposely you're like losing to give another team a win that yeah. would like eliminate someone else?
0: Yes, yes. Uh.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I am not. against I am against trying to lose a game on purpose. I think you should yeah. no matter what, even in a dynasty league and this is a this has been a source of contention in the league that I'm in with Heath. Even you should be making your best faith effort to win every week. Even if your overall goal is to not win as many games as possible. That is my, that is the (laughs) distinction I draw. I think, ethically, you owe it to the people in your league to try to win every game.
0: Yeah, I know, but but let's but let's talk about the specifics of this, right? So you've got whatever your situation is. You've either got a lot a seed locked up, locked in, or you're eliminated, or whatever. This week means nothing to you, but. You hate Jacob Gibbs, and you're playing Chris Towers, and you love Chris Towers, so you want to... Chris and Jacob are tied for the last playoff seed. You know, you want to give Chris the win to knock out Jacob. So what does that mean when we say you can't do that? Does that mean we get to tell you who to start? Does no, that you mean, can do you know, whatever you want. Yeah, so so I say you really can't throw the game, but I don't really know how, how to enforce that. I don't really know what that means. I'm you in, can't start a, a player on a that- buy. I am in a
1: league where we have made anti-tanking uh, part of our approach, um, because we had some issues last year with people taking advantage of the lack of rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you you will be punished if you uh, if you intentionally tank. And it's it's a like it's a I know it when I see it kind of thing. Like I I can't define it, but you know when someone's tanking. You know, when Heath was starting Davis Mills instead of Patrick Mahomes, he was tanking. Um, yes.
2: Of course it
0: was Heath. It, so, it backfired, by the way.
1: Yes, Davis Mills actually did have at least one week where he was better than Mahomes. Um, <laughs> but look, like if you don't have rules against it, then there's nothing wrong with it in terms of the legality of the move. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an ethics question. We're talking about ethics in, in fantasy sports. And mm-hmm. um, I don't think you should do that. I will judge you. If you do that, but my judgment should mean nothing to you.
0: Who I, am I? I agree with you. It's just, I judge people all the time. So I agree with you, but I just don't, uh, <laughs> it's know. like the quarterbacks thing last week. With, well, with that was the, stupid. You, you, you guys are wimps. You guys are babies and you're wimps and you're wrong. Okay. I'm just going to throw that out. But
1: there. no, but like the yeah. thing is like, it would be a jerk move to tank a game to keep someone yeah. out of
0: the playoffs. But, but that doesn't mean you can't do it. <laughs> But you're—we're saying you can't do you it. You can be a jerk. No, but you can be. But the, so Jacob, we were talking about using all of your fab to you're you're playing you're in the playoffs, and you know your opponent needs a quarterback, and use all your fab to get five quarterbacks. You know. Of course, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, that's that's not that's not a jerk move. Yeah, that's a brilliant move and good for you. It's a jerk move. <laughs> it's not a jerk move. But that's different than just losing a game on purpose. Adam, how did you feel about the fake slide in the college game? Oh, that was a jerk move.
1: That but it's that legal. Was different. It's legal. It was smart. It's not it was really awesome. legal. It
0: was cool. It's not legal. It's not really sure legal it is. No, you the didn't o- get, the officials didn't get penalized for it. You. It's not a penalty, but the officials should have blown the play dead. I was actually listening to the uh, officiating expert on that game. He said, "I wish the officials something like I wish the officials had blown the play dead." Kenny Pickett, who could be the first quarterback off the board in the NFL draft with the Pittsburgh Panthers. Uh, yes, Giants are going to end up with a quarterback whose last name is Pickett. Uh, <laughs> he faked the slide; the defense stopped. He got it was a pretty cool play. He you know kept going and he, gained additional yards. Yeah, he, yeah, but look, it was he was allowed to do it. Not really though; it was not officiated properly. Was. He did it, but that does. But this oh, this is different. Like. How do you make it's a player, How do you make a fantasy team not tank? That's what I'm saying. Like, do you say, "Oh, well, this quarterback's projected for more points, so you have to start him." Or do you just say, "Okay, make any lineup decisions you want, but you're not but right, don't drop don't make any egregious add drops or it's something fine. like that?"
2: It's, it's not weak. fine.
0: It's not fine. It's it's disrupts the competitive balance of the league. I it's agree. absolutely not fine at all. I'm not okay I with agree. it. I'm not I'm not going to say to that manager Well, you really shouldn't have done it. It was like Kenny Pickett's fake slide. It was wrong, but it's okay. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say no, buddy. You're out of the damn league. You are like if you
1: want to go that way, that then then that's one option you have. Uh, Brandon Hicks is saying that that kind of rule.
0: Pittsburgh's fine. Are you saying Brandon that? Kenny Pickett is I said Kenny Pickett on the Pittsburgh Panthers. That's what he, he is on the Pittsburgh Panthers, in case anybody was confused. He is the college quarterback. If you think he's going to be on the Steelers next year, then that could be the case as well. Um No, that it's not fine to do that. That is so much different than picking up quarterbacks to block your opponent. One is trying to win, one is trying to lose. We don't tolerate trying to lose around here. But it's trying to win in the long run. <laughs> no, it's not trying to win. It's it's you it has nothing to do with you unless you're saying if you're you trying want, to weaken your it, playoff not, competition. You If you're going by head-to-head
1: record and there's one team that has like 180 more points for the season than the other one, but they have the same record, you lose to the worst team to keep the better team out of the playoffs.
0: Uh, I can't do it. No, you have to to try to win (laughs) every week. That's
1: why I'm saying I don't mind if you want to build your team to lose in a dynasty league. That's fine. But you should be the rule. The way I run my league is no matter what type of team you're building, you have to make a good faith effort. Yeah. Try to win every week. So why are you with saying whatever no. crappy roster you have? So stick to that. Because you're saying but if the you right don't have thing. that rule, then there's nothing against
0: it. Jacob, it's come on, give me mood. wrap it up, wrap it up, Jacob. What do you think?
2: I've got nothing to add. I'm here to give data analysis. I've got nothing on the fantasy ethics. Question just imagine,
0: imagine if I did that to you. If I because you know how much I hate you. Imagine if I tanked to Chris to let him get in and knock you out. How mad would you be at me?
2: I'd be mad, but if there's no rule in place, yeah, I don't know what you can do. I guess you kick. I guess I kick you out of the league. <laughs> Some the things don't require. Yeah, you
0: would kick me. Out. Some things don't <laughs> require rules. You know, no. I mean, it, it shouldn't have to be a rule. It's so obvious that you can't do that. All right, everybody, thank you for watching. Thank you for <laughs> yeah, listening. If you
1: couldn't do it, you wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, that's a. a, I don't know how to argue with that. So we'll end (laughs) the show on that note. Uh, For Chris and Jacob, I'm Adam. Have a great day, everybody. Enjoy Monday Night Football. Hopefully, it's a blizzard, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus.
2: What brings you to
0: the show? Opportunity.
2: Everybody get down!
0: Right to the a new rain is coming to the south side. Never
1: should a center boy to do a woman's
0: job. The Shy. New episodes
1: now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.